You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Um, we, uh, we've been walking through a series in the book of Ephesians. Um, if you're new to church, if you're new to the Bible, uh, Ephesians was written by a guy named Paul. It was written to an ancient city called Ephesus. This was a real place. It wasn't make-believe. I've been there. Uh, I've looked at the walls. I've seen the pillars. I saw the places that it speaks to. Um, and uh, in the beginning of the church, when the church was just getting started about 2,000 years ago, uh, Paul really went as a missionary into different cities and locations to share about who Jesus is and what he has done. And one of the ways that he did ministry, even when he was locked up in chains in prison in Rome, uh, is he would write letters to churches. Uh, and these letters, they sometimes were just speaking about the things of God, who he is, what he has done, and how we're called to live. Sometimes it was personal encouragement. So if you've read through some of his letters, he'll be like, say hi to, you know, uh, Theodore and wherever, right? And it's like, why is this in the Bible, right? <laughs> but they were personal letters. And so Paul wrote this letter to the city of Ephesus, and he's speaking primarily to two things. One, our identity. And secondly, our reality, our identity, who we are if we place our faith in Jesus, who we are as people of Jesus, and secondly, our reality, what it actually looks like to live that out in our everyday life, in our everyday life. And so today we're continuing in this series in Ephesians, and we're pretty far into it. In fact, this is a 22-week series, and I think we only have five weeks left. So uh, we're, we're quite a ways in. So I just wanted to lay the kind of give you the lay of the land in case you were new this morning. Today we find ourselves in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, last week we talked about what it means to imitate God and to, to follow his lead. And this week he's speaking to the theme of what it means to be light. What it means to be light. Have you ever been in absolute and complete darkness before? Like I'm talking utter, like utter darkness. Um, I was thinking about this time. There's this restaurant in Vancouver called The Dark Table. Any, anyone been? Okay, Dark Table. And it's legitimately, here's the, the business model. Uh, we're going to get a room. We're going to set up chairs, all that kind of stuff. And then we're just going to turn the lights off and allow people to eat dinner in the dark. <laughs> and so what they do is they employ people who, uh, you know, are visually impaired to be waiters and waitresses and hosts and actually work within this restaurant because they don't need no light in order to do their job, right? Uh, and so it's a really interesting experience where you actually kind of make like a train. Do you remember that from elementary school? To be like led to your table, you sit down, they explain to you the menu. You, you don't get to look at the menus. Um, no light allowed. Uh, you order off the menu, they bring the, your food to you, the whole thing, and you have this experience of eating in the dark. It's very disorienting. Uh, in fact, I just gave up on cutlery. I was just caveman styling it, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it it was just complete and utter darkness. And if you think about it, it's a brilliant, brilliant business model. Um, most restaurants have to update every like five to seven years their furniture, the paintings on the wall. Nope, not for them, right? You just, uh, it's like, ah, they, they, this chair looks pretty, you know, old and worn. Doesn't matter, right? It's just like, <laughs> that painting on the wall is very 1980s. Who cares, right? Like, it's just, <laughs> It's a really interesting, uh, interesting experience. If you haven't done it, I highly recommend it. But there is something so interesting about being in complete darkness. I think that um, 
although we have a, such a beautiful, bright day today, I think we can all agree that we live in a time that we would consider rather dark. It's interesting, um, I preached this message or messages like it uh, over the last decade, really, on this text. And I found myself, when I was preaching them, to have to almost convince people of the darkness in the world. I don't think I need to do that today. I think we live in very dark times. I think we hold no illusions as to what is going on in the seen, but also the unseen worlds. It's like there is something that is going on that, that is very challenging. And the scriptures speak to this reality. They give us some clarity. They actually give us light so that we can see through the darkness. And this is what Paul is doing today for us. I think of uh, the prophet Isaiah. Uh, he, he wrote these words in, in, uh, in his book. And they're prophetic words speaking to this person, Jesus Christ, who we believe to be God, who would come among us 2,000 years ago uh, and bring light to the world. And here's what he said in Isaiah chapter uh, 9, I believe it is. It says, the people who have walked in darkness will see a great light. Those who have dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light is shone. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. He's speaking of this reality of this deep darkness that people have experienced throughout human history. I think of a time uh, on Vancouver Island, there's this place called the Horn Lake Caves. And if you go to the Horn Lake Caves, you can actually, you crawl in through this tiny little space and all you have is a headlamp and you get to crawl around and uh, it's, it's a really uh, amazing experience. But at one point in the, the journey, they say, hey, turn off, everyone turn off your, your headlamps and we all turn off the headlamps and you never experience deep darkness like that. Just you can't even see your hand in front of your face. It's completely disorienting. And this is the reality for, for humanity. is walking through darkness. Just this, those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness. On them a light has shone. On them a light has shone. In John chapter 1 verse 4 to 5, John speaks to this light. Here's what he says. He says, the word who is Jesus gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Jesus came to bring us light. Light so we could see the world for what it really was. Darkness, darkness is it's really, it's the absence of light. Jesus came to fill that void in the world. The light of Jesus has come so we could see. So we could see. And so if you find yourself as someone in this room who might not identify as a Christian, that's totally fine. That was literally me 15 years ago. Walking into the doors of a church and you're hearing all this language that's a little bit foreign. The big idea is this. We believe that there is a God. We believe he revealed himself in Jesus. And we believe that he was a light to the world to help us to see things for how they really are, to see things for how they really are. So how does this connect to our lives? Well, this is what Paul is speaking about today. Through Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 to 14, he's speaking to the real life implications of what it means for us to be people who, who look to the light, people who walk in light, people who are children of light. Uh, and I believe that it is a, a good word and it's challenging for us today. And so if you're willing and able... Uh, would you please stand? We, whenever we read God's word, we believe these are the most important words. Uh, and so we ask people to stand as we read them. Um, 
because we believe that they, they are the very words of God. And so let's read this today, Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 8. Verse 8. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It's shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will give you life. God, I, I pray before you now, I speak to you now, and I ask that you would speak to us. I, I ask that you would speak to us through this text of um, especially in a day and a time where it is so clear that we are a people walking in just a deep darkness in this world. I pray that Jesus, your word would be true, that you would be the light of the world, world and that you would give us a, a light for our path so we can see where we're going. That Jesus, you would shine your light on our hearts and our minds and you would help us to see ways of living and acting and thinking, believing that are, just don't align with you. Help us to see, God. We so desperately need your help to see in these incredibly dark times. So Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Speak now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The crux of this text today is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. It's, it's the, the centerpiece. In fact, I, I was trying to come up with a big idea for you guys. Like, what's the big idea? The big idea is verse 8. <laughs> just, like, just write that down. He says, he says, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. So live as people of light. Our message today is built upon this idea. Paul is using this, a new illustration for us in Ephesians of this idea of darkness and light. And he's really speaking to what takes place at conversion. What, what takes place when we place our faith in Jesus. That there is a transformation of our identity. There's a transformation of our reality. There's something, it's not just a name tag, like I'm a child of light, uh, you know, and, and it's not just a name given to us, but there's something that has actually taken place that has changed within us. And so his first point, once again, speaks to identity. He's speaking to this idea that for followers of Jesus, we are no longer people who identify and are in the darkness, but rather we are people of the light. And so the question for you really is this, where are you? Are you in the light? Or are you in the darkness? It's interesting, um, the NLT says you once were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. But if you look at the Greek, it's, really, it's interesting the way that Paul grammatically says it. It's, it's not just an idea that you, like, I don't know, something from outside of you has taken hold within you. But it's actually, it's a, it's a full-on identity transformation. He said in, in the Greek, because they don't have as many words as we do, and we often try to add some words to it so we can understand it. It says, you once were darkness. You are now light. You once actually like embodied darkness, but now you embody 
light. Paul takes this a step further than Isaiah even did. He said, the people who walked in darkness, who dwelt in deep darkness, have seen a great light. And Paul is, saying, Paul is actually taking it a step further and saying, no, no, no. You actually once were, by essence, darkness, and now you are light. It's, it's this identity piece that we've been speaking to throughout the entire book of Ephesians. Paul is speaking to a deep spiritual and metaphysical reality of followers of Jesus that when one puts their faith in Jesus, they become everything that he is. They're so connected to him, so hidden in him, spiritually one with him, that they've almost become by osmosis light. Because Jesus is light. Because Jesus is the light of the world. If that's making your brain just like a little bit, don't worry. We've been trying to work these things out for 2,000 years. See, John actually develops, John was written after um, Ephesians. In fact, most of John's, actually all of John's writings were the last writings added to the New Testament. Last, sorry, last writings that were written in the New Testament. And he builds upon this theme of Paul, look what he says in John chapter 3, verse 19 to 20. Speaking about this theme that the people are actually in darkness and there's the light. says, the judge, this judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but the people loved the darkness more than the light. Here's what he's speaking about. And, and I think it's helpful to explain it. We, by, um, as human beings, we made a choice to reject God, to... Um, kind of distance ourselves from God and something in that moment of decision corrupted the human heart and the human heart became bent upon sin, bent upon darkness. In fact, loved the darkness as John says it, more than the light. See, people love the darkness more than the light and even though God's light came into the world. And so Paul is saying you, you either are full of darkness, you either are darkness or you are light in Christ. These are, there, there's no in between. I was thinking, uh, any Star Wars fans out there? <laughs> right? I was thinking of the light side, the dark side. And, and, and all the time, these two sides are fighting for the allegiance of those who are connecting with the force, right? And so we first see it uh, with, uh, with Luke Skywalker and there's this internal battle within him. Will I be of the light or will I be of the darkness? We see it with Anakin who ultimately does turn to, to the dark side. We see it with Rey in the latest movies. If you've only seen the, the latest ones, this internal struggle of will I be a person who is of the light or of the darkness. And I know the really like, you know, Star Wars nerds out there are going to say, oh, but if there's like, there's this thing called like balance, you know, like you balance in the forces. Like, but you can see the battle though between them, right? Of like, will I be someone who is in the light or will I be someone who is in the darkness? And this is the choice that we have to make as well when it comes to this foundational truth. And I know that's a little bit gritty, isn't it? It's a little in your face, especially in a Canadian context or culture, uh, to, to have these exclusive and very direct truths. But what if it's true? Where do you want to be? Where do you want to place your trust? John tells us in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 to 7, says, God is light. There is no darkness in him at all. So, we're so if we are living 
sorry, we are lying if we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We, we're not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all of our sin. And so the question today for us, and every individual needs to make this decision and this choice, is where do I place my allegiance? Where do I put my trust? Will I be hidden in Christ? Or will I continue to walk in my own steam and see what happens? Jesus made this promise in John chapter 8, verse 12. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So this isn't just simply Jesus trying to enforce uh, his worldview, his perspective on us. This is, this is about the light that leads to life. God is offering us life and life to the fullest. Life and life forever. This is what it means to be in the light. And so he does this in love for us today. If you've attended um, somewhat regularly, I probably sound like a, a broken record. In the sense that we've been talking about this identity and then what it means to actually live that out in reality. And Paul is doing this again today. But I think it's important to note, to distinguish what is being taught from this Christian worldview as opposed to other worldviews and and philosophies. What Paul is inviting us into is not, hey, listen, you need to start behaving like people in the light. And if you act enough like you're in the light... If you behave in such a way that looks like light, God might receive you. God might bring you into his kingdom. God might call you a child of God. This is not what's happening here. Other worldviews and philosophies say you need to work your way to God. And imagine climbing a ladder. And, you know, and even the major leaders of other world religions, major leaders, the centerpieces pe- said, I'm not even sure if I'm getting in. I'm not even sure if I'm getting in, but here is our secure hope for people who place their faith in Jesus Christ as God. The promise is this. If you follow me, if you follow me, if you say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, I believe in you. You will no longer have to walk in darkness because you will have a light that leads to life. And so Paul is doing the same. You once were full of darkness. Now you have light that has come from the Lord. So then live as children of light. Then live as children of light. Live in light of the light. (laughs) Live in light of your new identity. Live in light of your new reality in Christ. It's not live so that you can be called a person of the light. You are a person of the light. So now walk in a manner worthy of that call. This is the good news of the gospel. It has very little to do with us. This salvation is a free gift from God. It is absolutely free. All it requires is belief. That's it. And the rest is a outpouring. It flows out of who we are. This isn't, when Paul begins to talk about the ways that we're living, this isn't um, a salvation issue. This is a reality issue. He's saying your, your, your identity isn't matching your reality. Match your identity with your reality because this is who you are. You get it. I've hit that drum many times. So he says, you once were full of darkness. Now you have light in the Lord. And here's the good news. You have light from the Lord. You have light from the Lord. 
You see this here? You once were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. This once again is speaking to this idea. This isn't a crank wheel flashlight. Do you guys remember those old school crank, like crank wheel flashlights? Where you'd literally have to like spin them to get them going. Uh, and they were, I don't know, they're supposed to be like safer than batteries because batteries can run out. And, blah, and so people take them camping uh, or they have them in their house and things like that. This isn't what Paul is talking about. He isn't saying, hey, work harder. Come on, shine brighter. The light is from the Lord. Upon When we've placed our faith in Jesus, his light comes within us and shines in and through us. And so this isn't a call to sweat for Jesus. Although sometimes the gospel does require hard work and for us to do hard things for God. Don't let me diminish that. What Paul is speaking about specifically here is that the light is from God. So here's the, the question I want to spend our last uh, 10 minutes, 15 minutes discussing. Why do we struggle then? If this light within us is from God, why do we struggle then to live as people of light? Like, why does Paul have to write this to the Ephesians? Right? If it's just that simple, Cam, like, oh, okay, I've become light. Now the light of Jesus will shine through me. I never had to do anything again. Whoa, right? It's like, why is this so hard? <laughs> why is it so hard to be a bright light? Um, I heard this story. It's, it's, uh, it's fictional. It's make-believe. You need to use your imagination a little bit. But uh, I heard the story of this hus husband and wife, this, this couple. There was, a, there was a major storm and their lights completely went out. Uh, right? Power is out. We've all been there. We've experienced it. If you lived in Port Moody, it, it, it's not even when there's storms. It just happens sometimes. And they keep it off for like 48 hours. Anyone, anyone resonating, right? Like when all of St. John's was off and it was just like, why, right? But anyway, so the, the couple go into the cupboard to grab some candles. But when they arrive at the cupboard, the candles start talking to them. Saying, oh, wait a second, don't use me, don't use me, I'm, I'm feeling really burnt out right now, right? It's like, hey, well, hey, don't lose me, right? I, don't, don't use me, you know, it's like, I, 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 you know, I'm not very bright, I'm not very bright. I, oh, okay, fine, I'll grab these candles over here, I guess, right? And he's like, he's grabbing, grabbing the candles and they're all beginning to make excuses like, ah, you don't want to light me. <laughs> I have a very bad scent, right? Um, <laughs> anyone experience that? There's some candles that are just, oh, it's just, it's bad, right? Um, and um, they all start making excuses. The husband comes out, he's talking to his wife. He's like, hey, so the candles don't want to be lit. She said, oh, <laughs> oh, those are church candles, all right, those are church candles. Use the other ones, right? Use the other ones. They'll light up real well. <laughs> oh, I heard that story. I was like, oh, it just hit to the core. And the reason why is because there, there's a little bit of truth, isn't there, right? It's a little bit of truth in that. I think many of us, we make excuses about what it means to be like, oh, don't, don't use me. I'm burnt out. Don't use me. <laughs> and I have a good scent. Don't use me. I'm not very bright. Don't use me. I think the temptation, one of the reasons why we don't want to be a light in the darkness, reason we'd rather just kind of blend in, just blow it out. I think there's a couple of reasons going on. Um, I think it's awkward to be the light, isn't it? I think it's really awkward. 
there was probably a time in Canada and America and the in certain places in the world where being a light for Christ was just kind of the norm. It was just like, yeah, this is what we believe. Yeah, this is what we think about. Name your ethical issue. But now to be a bright light in the middle of darkness is awkward. And so we, like Matthew kind of describes in his gospel in chapter 5, have this struggle that we want to cover it up. We want to get a basket, right? He talks about putting the basket and just covering the light. We want to get a lampshade to kind of diffuse the light. We don't want it to be so bright. We have this temptation because it's uncomfortable to be a bright light in the world. And perhaps even as I was reading this text today, you were kind of, oh, oh that's a little intense. Uh, we don't even want to talk about the things ungodly people do, right? Like it's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> Wow. It's uncomfortable. You know, um, it's interesting. Uh, if you, you remember being a teenager, some of you are maybe still, um, <laughs> so you'll relate with this story. And, uh, and I, I don't know what it is. Something about when you're like 13 years old, all of a sudden you just want to sleep in. You know, you want to sleep in like past the sun. You could sleep till like 2 in the afternoon, right? Uh, you know what I'm talking about. The boys, I don't know where they're at. They know what's up, right? So it's like... And, uh, <laughs> and so what your parents would do, and maybe you had this experience, I know that Jessica's mom would do this to her. She would walk down the stairs and she would turn on the lights, right? Jessica, wake up, right? Hit all the switches, the lights come on, right? And I, I had this experience, even as a preteen, my mom would come in, she'd turn on the light, she'd open the blinds. And as a teenager, you're almost, I don't know, you're something about puberty, you've become part vampire or something, and you're just like, shh. Right? Like, you know, it's like the lights, right? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> You've had this experience, right? I think this is what it can feel like sometimes to be, like, be the people of God. It's like you walk into a room and you're just turning on the light switch and people are just, lit, you know, in, in the dark. And it's like, ah, right? Like, it's like, this is bright, right? You know, gosh, can you turn that thing down? Oh, it's funny, my parents, they just love to have the lights off in their house. It's super weird because Jessica loves light. Blinds open like every morning, right? Every light in the house on. And, and so I was used to that reality at my parents' house of just ever, lights always being off. There's hardly any light. Just maybe the light of like a TV or a phone. That was it. Like I'm talking, and I always, you know, joke with them about being vampires. But um, anyways, it's so odd as I enter back into that environment, I want to just start going around and opening up the blinds and turning on the lights. And sometimes I do, and my dad literally is like, oh, like why are you turning on that light? This is how it is sometimes to be the people of God and the light of the Lord. It can be overwhelming for people. It's actually not always welcome. And, and there's a temptation for us to isolate ourselves from the world because it's easier to be the light among lights rather than light in the darkness. Am I right? It's easier to be a light among lights. And so here's what we do. I have my Christian friends. I have my, my Christian ministries I'm part of. I go to my Christian church. I send my kids to Christian school. We only listen to Praise 106.5, uh, right? And, and we just surround ourselves as much as we can with light because it's less uncomfortable. The people we go on vacation with, they're believers. The people that, you know, we're hanging out with, they're believers. And it's like we want, it's just so much easier to be light among light. It's just so 
so much less awkward, so much less explanations. But this is not the call of this text. In fact, this guy named Jeff Holgan, he's a pastor, a church planner. Here's what he says. We are to be light in the darkness. And yet some of us have spent so much time being light among other light that we often forget that fact. We're called to be light in the darkness, yet some of us have just spent so much time being light among other lights that we forget that we're actually called to be a light in the darkness. And this is what Paul is calling us to. So what does this look like for us? Paul explains in our text. Here's what he says, verse 7, if we can put it on the screen. Uh, He says uh, in verse 7, he says, don't participate in these things. He says, don't participate in these things that people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. Can we put it on the screen? Yeah. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It's shameful to even talk about these things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. Paul is giving us a roadmap of what it looks like to be the light, and you might feel uncomfortable hearing these words. He calls us to not participate in these deeds, but instead to produce what is good and right and true. So he says, don't participate in these things. And secondly, he says, take no part in these things, but instead expose them. He's calling us to not participate in deeds of darkness, the text says. I was thinking, this sounds so much like Harry Potter, right? It's like, don't, don't participate in the deeds of the dark arts, right? Like, and it's like... But I was, I, I, I was thinking about that joke to myself as I was writing this sermon. And I thought, actually, like, contextually, this is what Paul is talking about. In ancient Ephesus, they actively, they actively practiced, um, like, demon worship, uh, the dark arts, le- legitimately, and the use of magic. So much so when the gospel arrived in Ephesus and people were transformed, they had a mass magic book burning. This happened historically. Like millions of dollars worth of these books, the people came and put them in the center and lit them on fire. So Paul is actually speaking to these really, uh, you know, contextually, these really dark things that we have sometimes distanced ourselves from and said these just aren't true. People don't do these things anymore. He is speaking to this. Secondly, though, he is speaking about do not participate in ways of living and thinking and acting that are dark as well. And he gives us all, all, but instead, he says, but instead this light should produce within us that which is good and right and true. Good and right and true. And so Paul has been following this theme all throughout chapter 4, right? Think about this. Don't tell lies. Tell your neighbors the truth. Do not steal. Be generous. Don't be angry and bitter. Forgive one another, right? And then last week, you know, he's talking about the fact that uh, don't, don't live like we used to, but imitate God. And today he is doing the same. He's saying, don't live in darkness because you are the light and this light within you is supposed to produce things that are good and right and true. Good and right and true. We are still called to be a force for what is good and right and true and light in the world. 
We're still called to, to actually be a light in this world, the text is telling us. This is why we as a church are committed to be outward focused rather than inward focus. We want to be a church that loves the city, that loves our neighbors. This is why we're doing Love My City Neighborhood Cleanup today after the service. Because we want to be a force for what is good and right and true. We want to shine our light in, in, in our community this is why we will continue to do outward focus events that are purely just giving to the community. We want to host an Easter egg hunt in a few weeks. Just come on, come all. Just come. Right? Be a part of this. We want, to, we want to do other acts of service because we are called to produce that which is good and right and true. We're called not to be a holy huddle, not hidden behind these walls on a Sunday, but to be people in the community who are doing good who are encouraging, who are being generous, who are uplifting, who are taking care of our neighbors, who are being a great light in this world. And here's the second thing he tells us to do. Do not participate in the other dark work that people are doing. He says don't choose to actively pursue doing things or participating in things that others are doing that are dark. So he's not even just speaking about our own lifestyle. Right? Like, okay, just make sure you're not walking in the dark. You're walking in the light. That you're not living in sin. This isn't, he's not just speaking to like the individual. But he's also talking about as we participate with organizations. As we participate with, with different, uh, you know, people in the community. As we build business partnerships. Uh, he, he speaks to all these things. How is it that those people are living? And are you participating in something that is actually bringing about darkness? This word um, participate here in the Greek is often most used in the context of business partnerships. And so now, Paul is not just challenging believers to rid themselves of darkness personally, but to be weary of partnerships that support uh, groups and businesses and policies and investments that support the darkness. We're seeing this obviously clear, clearly um, played out in Canada right now as we sanction Russia, right? Saying what you are doing is dark. What you are doing is evil. We will not participate. We will not be in business with. We, will not, we, we, we are cutting off ties with you for this season. Canada, sure, maybe in many ways doing things that are good and right and true. But when it comes to our partnership, well, you know, it's just whatever. It's just where we get our gas. Whatever. It's just where we get our, you know, our, <laughs> like, oh, it's just where we get our booze. It's just where we get whatever. No big deal. No, there's this clear line that's being crossed, and we say, we can't participate in these things. This is what Paul is challenging us as believers to do, to sanction, to be sure that we are not partnering with people who are profiting off of darkness or participating in darkness as defined by the word. The Christian ethic actually gets even more uncomfortable, doesn't it? Because it extends beyond one's personal behavior and applies to who we support or in business with. So practically, here's some ways I'm thinking about this. For those of you who are investing your money, and I recommend you should, even if you're in your 20s. Where are you investing? What are you investing in? I asked this question a couple of years ago to my, the guy who was doing my investments. He's like, no one has ever asked me this before. Like, I want to know, where is my money going? What is it supporting? What causes, what organizations, all that kind of stuff? Because I, 
I don't want to be investing in people who are profiting off of darkness. Challenging. For those of you in business, to be sure, who am I partnering with? And, and what are they profiting off of? What are they supporting? Maybe something even more challenging for us, the brands, the companies we support, what are their values? How do they treat people? Are they fair to their employees? Challenging. As we consider the companies that we work for, what do they stand for? How do they make their money? What are they endorsing? And if you think this is impractical, impossible, or unreasonable <laughs> to live this out fully, <laughs> thank God for his grace. Am I right? <laughs> there's this, um, quickly, there's this show called The Good Place on Netflix, and um, they discover that no one's getting into the good place anymore. They're all going to the bad place. And they realize it's because it is so hard, it's so hard to be morally good enough to get to the good place. They, they talk about like, oh, you bought a tomato, but that tomato was, uh, you know, brought over here on a ship, and that ship used lots of fossil fuels, and that hurt the planet, and the tomato was, plant, you know, picked by someone who wasn't pay, uh, paid an adequate wage, and, you know, and they go through the whole list, and so they're just like, it's impossible for anybody to get in the good place anymore because it's just so hard. And maybe you hear that way, you hear that as I'm talking about what it means for us to not even participate with and in people who are profiting, endorsing darkness. You mean, this is impractical. And so I thank God for his grace. And we're not called to pick up every flag and every, you know, mantle. And but allow the spirit to speak to you about your life and who you're partnering with. Just got harder to be a Christian, didn't it? You know, and I also think um, this speaks to when it when it talks to exposing. It's not just who we partner with. It's not just like you know removing your subscription or you stop buying from that store or you stop investing in whatever. We're also called to expose the darkness for what it is. <laughs> Ready? Let's take this up a level. Because it's easy to just say, oh, I'm not going to support anymore. It's even harder to be a light in the darkness. We're called to expose things like racism and prejudice. We're called to shine a light on lies and untruth. We're called to shine a light on things like the porn industry and sex slavery. We're called to shine a light on abuse and harm. We're called to shine a light on things like depression and anxiety and the, this, the struggle, the real struggle it is for people in community. We're called to shine a light, an awkward and ugly, it's just a, a revealing light on things that happen in residential schools and the way the church, the church treated people. We are not going to behave in a way we're going to cover up the sins of the church in the past. No, shine the brightest light we've got on that thing and show it for the ugliness that it is. Because that is not who Jesus is. So we need to clear that up. We're called to shine a light. Shine a light on the issues in our planet. Genocide and war and hardship. We are called to be a light. Because the light, whatever the light touches, it reveals. It reveals what's really going on. 
Friends, we're called to shine a light on the ways of acting and living and thinking that our friends and our family are believing and walking in. We're called to shine a light. And I know this is awkward. So here's the challenging part, and I'll end on this thought, and I'll invite up the band. How do we do this in a way that doesn't sound judgmental, prudish, holier than thou, prideful, arrogant? How do we do this in a way that doesn't feel like we're putting a 2,000 lumen flashlight in someone's eyes? Paul gives us a roadmap. Ephesians chapter 4, he says, do this with all humility and gentleness, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain unity in the spirit. In Ephesians chapter 31, be kind, be compassionate, be forgiving. It's an, we approach these things from a place of I once was in darkness. Man, I, I, I don't stand on a stage like I once was in darkness. I'm right here with you. But I've seen this light and the light is so good and the light has transformed me and the light has helped me to see life the way it was meant to be. It's from a, not a place of arrogance. It's not from a place of judgment. It's from a place of me too. I once was there. I once was full of darkness. It looks a lot like Jesus. Jesus was only ever harsh with religious people. But he wasn't harsh with people who were just lost and walking in darkness. He loved them. He saw those people. He saw their dignity and their worth and he gently showed them the light. Paul ends this text with this quote. He says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead and Christ will give you light. I think God is calling us out of sleepy Christianity, waking us up to the reality of who we are and calling us to live. I think God is calling some of you who are still living in darkness to awake and see the light of Jesus, the, his great love for you. I think God is calling some of us to stop hiding our light and to begin to shine into the dark places of our world and culture. He says, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead and Christ will give you light. He's calling us to wake up. And I hope today wasn't just switching on all the lights and pulling up the blinds. He's calling us to wake up so that we can have light and we can have life forever. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash railcity to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.